for future economic trends. This is BizTalk. Hello and welcome to our special edition of BizTalk, Financing the Greener Future. To address climate change, finance plays a key role. Large-scale investments are required to significantly reduce emissions. Meanwhile, vast amounts of financial resources are needed to adapt to the adverse effects and reduce the impacts of climate change. To understand more about this, we're joined by four distinguished guests today. Sebastian Eckhart, Practice Manager for Macroeconomics and Fiscal at World Bank. Tang Dingding, former Chair of Compliance Review Panel of Asian Development Bank. Ma Jun, co-chair of G20 Sustainable Finance Working Group, and Shuang Liu, China Finance Director at World Resources Institute. So welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Geopolitical tiles have shifted this year. After the difficult effects of the pandemic, energy and food insecurity, inflationary pressures, and spiraling debt have compounded existing climate vulnerabilities and crippled economic growth. As challenging as the moment is, there is a growing concern about whether climate change actions should take a back seat. What is our ability to achieve economic recovery and do so in a greener manner? Dr. Eckhart, let me start with you. How much will ongoing world events such as the energy and food crisis, COVID-19 pandemic, overshadow climate actions and resources needed to address climate change, Dr. Eckhart? Well, I think uh, in some sense, these recent events reinforce the importance of, of the climate change agenda, notwithstanding, of course, that uh, we see across the world that, uh, you know, short run uh, crises often distract from these longer term objectives. But I think if anything, the energy crisis and the, also, frankly, the natural disasters, the fact that we experienced one, one of the warmest years in, in history, uh, last year with, with with devastating droughts across the world, I think reinforces the need to to act on on climate change and and act with urgency. And Dr. Mar, in your opinion, how are we doing on greening the economic recovery? On green recovery, using fiscal and financial resources to uh, support the recovery um, by uh, channeling a larger portion of the financial resources to green related uh, projects at the same time generating jobs and economic growth. Uh, in China, um, the Green Finance Initiative has started uh, actually a long time ago. Uh, what we did in China is uh, building what we call ecosystem of green finance, including taxonomy, which is the definition of green activities and disclosure requirement that requires the issuer or the borrower to disclose environmental and climate related information and product innovation, which will enable all kinds of green uh, projects to be financed and uh, finally, I think more importantly, uh, it's really the incentives uh, from mm -hmm. the central bank, from the fiscal authorities to mobilize and catalyze private sector resource uh, right. towards uh, green uh, economic activities. Well, Mr. Tang, uh, we know that in some developed countries, uh, the uh, environmental commitments took a back seat due to the worsening energy crisis. Are you worried about that? I knew at the moment uh, some of the difficulties, you know, they're facing um, to uh, contribute more financial resources to the climate change, in particular to the developing countries. Mm. However, um, I I have to say that it is, you know, the trends of the uh, movements for climate change. Nobody can take it back. And uh, I do believe that uh, adaptation, uh, financial resources, and Ms. Liu, in your opinion, how will this ongoing energy crisis affect the transition towards renewables? 
what we have noticed is that with the ongoing energy and food crisis, uh, that will potentially reduce uh, the level of public finance that's available from the developing con developed countries to support the climate efforts in developing countries. Uh, most importantly, a lot of the current uh, support provided by developed countries is in the format of the Overseas Development Assistance, or mm. ODA, which is so far the largest source of international financing for a lot of the low-income countries to support their uh, climate efforts. If there will be a further reduce on the ODA or the Overseas Development Assistance, that will affect the level of uh, the efforts that developing countries can conduct. Climate change is an archetypal global challenge, resulting from greenhouse gas emissions from every country around the world. In order to resolve this issue, international efforts are necessary. In the final hours of UN COP27, a groundbreaking agreement was reached for developing or vulnerable countries severely affected by climate catastrophes. However, there is still a long way to go for global cooperation after the COP27 climate deal. Cooperating internationally on green finance has become a crucial tool for fulfilling the promise and ultimately tackling climate change. Now that green finance has developed rapidly in the past years, and Dr. Edgard, what's your view on global cooperation of sustainable finance initiatives? Well, I think there are many initiatives globally to try to harmonize, for example, taxonomies and, and green finance standards to collaborate, of course, on these. Uh, I think those are important. There are also efforts, of course, to uh, mobilize financing uh, for developing countries uh, through the MDB system uh, in many ways to, to then uh, catalyze uh, and leverage a more private sector financing. Um, so those are important. Uh, global initiatives, but I do think that these global initiatives need to be complemented with with further steps uh, at at the country level. And again, uh, China is a is a good example in many ways. Dr. Yeah. Ma, I, I just want to go to you now. You have also played a key role in driving international cooperation on green finance. G20 Sustainable Finance Working Group is an important platform for global coordination of sustainable finance initiatives. Can you tell us a bit more about this? and what is its major achievements in recent years. The G20 System of Finance Working Group is now inviting all major international organizations which are involved in green system of finance to participate in a progress report review process. And we are conducting this on an annual basis. So on the taxonomy side, we involved the agency like uh, IPSF, which is producing the common ground taxonomy uh, to discuss with the G20 uh, on how to uh, make progress towards uh, uh, enhancing comparability and the uh, interoperability of system of finance taxonomy. And on the disclosure side, the G20 uh, endorsed the launch of ISSB, which is hugely important in this space because there are too many different standards, frameworks, uh, principles for disclosure, which is confusing uh, the financial market. And we need to coordinate by producing a set of internationally recognized uh, baseline standard for disclosure. Mm -hmm. And for that purpose, a framework is needed to define what activities are qualified for um, transition finance and how the transition activities should disclose um, their uh, environmental and climate benefits. Mr. Town, uh, you've also worked on international cooperation and exchanges for a long time. Uh, in your opinion, what more can be done to boost the cooperation? That is a very uh, important. Uh, we do recognize the importance of the international cooperation 
uh, because not only developed uh, countries, but also developing countries also are facing big challenges regarding to the climate change, regarding to the biodiversity. We feel that we need to uh, working together with different uh, academic, you know, um, and uh, environment and the think tank, because we need a lot of uh, technical tools and database in order to better understand how to identify the risk of the uh, biodiversity, risk of the climate change in the process of the project development and the implementation in order to find the good solutions. So therefore, you know, I want to say, I want to you know, emphasize the importance of the international cooperation, not only for the climate change, but also for the biodiversity. Ms. Liu, what more can be done to uh, scale up support from uh, multinational development banks and other uh, development finance institutions? The majority of the current funding we have seen that's been channeled by the multilateral development banks and other development financial institutions are loans, uh, right. which means that the developing countries will have to pay back uh, to those who lend those loans. However, an alternative can be that the majority of those development finance can be in the format of a grant, mm. which will not only provide resources to support efforts in developing countries, but also can work with um, the current debt stress that's mm. really happening to a lot of the developing countries. So the, the debt stress um, uh, in developing countries um, is the constraints that prevent developing countries from taking on more loans which can provide the very much needed resources for them to work on climate change efforts. Coming up next, the demand for green investment in China will reach $76 trillion by 2050, leaving a significant gap to be filled. How to mobilize financing at that scale? Mobilization of quite significant uh, investment, private investment together with financial sector reforms. Greenwashing is becoming more prevalent in private investments as companies make ESG promises. How to avoid it? Better definition, better disclosure requirements, and a better verification system. Deep Dive, a new podcast from CGTN Radio. We go beyond the headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Here, our conversations. Dr. Edgard, you have now prepared country climate and development reports for several countries. Uh, the report stresses the importance of mobilizing private sector financing. What recommendations do you have to mobilize financing at scale and what makes China different from other countries? The first one is that uh, the report argues that uh, achieving China's uh, climate goals, namely peaking carbon emissions before 2030 and achieving carbon neutrality by 2060 are both economically and technically feasible. Uh, but they require two things to happen. One is mobilization of quite significant uh, investment. Uh, in fact, the report finds that about 17 trillion uh, of additional investment are needed just to meet the needs in the transport and energy sector, two, mm. two of the main sectors of uh, carbon emissions in China. And the second finding is that 
uh, while financing is necessary, uh, it's not it's not uh, sufficient, and that um, mobilizing financing will need to be accompanied by reforms uh, and policies uh, to to adjust relative prices in the economy and to reflect the social cost of carbon through various forms, either regulations, explicit carbon pricing, uh, of course, in China's case, the emissions trading. A system that has been put in place, but also broader structural reforms to allow markets, uh, including financial markets, to respond to those changing uh, price signals efficiently and to mobilize this investment. And in this context, of course, China is a case in point. Uh, public financing will have to be used for certain uh, things, including uh, de-risking private, private investment, partly addressing some of the distributional implications and protecting some of the communities that and industries that will likely be negatively affected by a move towards decarbonization, as, as uh, Dr. Ma has also highlighted, ensuring a just transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you will also need private investment, uh, including in sectors like energy and transport, um, where a conducive regulatory and policy environment is, is, is necessary to carry out some of these investments that are increasingly good for the climate, but they are also good uh, in an economic sense and can help generate the next wave of innovation job creation uh, in, 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 in the economy. It would take a large amount of money for China to achieve its carbon peak and neutrality goals. According to a report by the Green Finance Committee, China's cumulative demand for green and low-carbon investment in the next three decades will reach $76.17 trillion. These investments will promote economic growth by contributing to a decline in net energy imports, large green investments, more jobs in low-carbon industries, and technological progress. Despite this, such a massive investment remains a long way off. What are the remaining challenges that we need to overcome in order to achieve this goal? On annual average basis, this translates into roughly 16 trillion RMB per year, uh, which -hmm. needs to be mobilized. I think only half of that is mobilized already, and the gap is huge. Um, Mm -hmm. So going forward, we need to modify, improve our green financial system in uh, several aspects. One is uh, definition of green and the transition activities. And the second thing is really about disclosure. Now we're moving towards carbon-related disclosure. Uh, We will be requiring the corporates and also the financial institutions such as the banks to report the carbon intensity of their activities, including lending activities. So by doing so, uh, they will know uh, the current level of carbon intensity and what kind of uh, carbon reduction they can achieve in the coming few years through green finance. And the third um, effort is to incentivize decarbonization. And uh, uh, at the central bank level last year, the PBOC introduced this uh, decarbonization facility, which offers very low-cost funding through commercial banks. The funding is as cheap as 1.75% annualized rate. Uh, obviously, it reduces the funding cost of the uh, projects. Uh, at project level, uh, some of the renewable projects are now receiving uh, loans at the rate of only 2.9%, which is much lower than before, largely mm-hmm. because of this uh, uh, decarbonization facility. And going forward, we should have more of such facilities, including for transition finance. Also, product innovation is important. And Mr. Tang, what are your views and comments on how to further scale up investment and finance in the sector? I feel that the private sector will be a very big potential, you know, areas we need to, you know, encourage them, you know, making more efforts. Uh, of course, you know, that's based on the uh, very good, you know, uh, policy environment. In particular, private, you know, financial institutions can be deeply involved in the climate change, including biodiversity. Otherwise, 
difficult for the private sector, you know, to make some of the uh, contributions and efforts in this regard. Uh, and also, of course, by the end, impossible to achieve our goals from the big, you know, gap of the financial resources that Dr. Ma mentioned. Half, half, you know, gap, in fact, we're fitting, but where is the coming from of the financial resources? Uh, private sector will be the good in, uh, potential, but based on the, you know, what policies, what incentives that can be provided. In an era where more and more consumers and governments are interested in protecting the climate and stressing ESG, greenwashing needs to be taken more seriously. Greenwashing involves providing misleading information about the environmental impact of a company's products and operations, in addition to destroying a company's reputation and damaging consumer trust. Greenwashing exposes businesses and industries to a wide range of government fines. Ms. Liu, uh, in your opinion, should we worry about the risk of uh, greenwashing? I think one of the useful tools is to increase the transparency, accountability, and also having more tracking of where the progress has been. But also, we will need the private financial institutions to disclose their roadmap and also the short-term and mid-term targets to check if they are on the track to meet net zero targets um, around 2040. And also on another level of uh, the accountability can be also on what detailed information that the private financial institutions need to disclose, which can help us to again track if they are on the right track of meeting the net zero target. This can include, for instance, uh, a disclosure on their investment in fossil fuel and also a disclosure on their transition plan of walking away from the fossil fuel sector and also some of the carbon intensity sector, as Dr. Ma has said, how they can use um, some of the ongoing discussion on the transition uh, financial standards. That's another way that private financial institutions can better disclose their information and making sure they are on the right track to achieve the targets. May I add a few words on that? Sure, Dr. Ma, go ahead. In China, of course, it's an ongoing uh, uh, discussion uh, topic. Um, I think three aspects are very important. Number one, uh, we need to clearly define what green activities are. Uh, if there's no definition or too many definitions, uh, it's going to be creating a lot of greenwashing opportunities. The second thing is uh, disclosure. Part of the problem today is that there are too many uh, uh, requirements of disclosure which are inconsistent with each other. Um, you know, Different countries putting different requirements. Some are mandatory, some are semi-compulsory, some are voluntary, and uh, uh, even the same indicator, uh, which may have different meanings from different countries. Sideline Story brings you all things sports-related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. For future economic trends, this is BizTalk. Regarding the development of green finance in China, and what are some of the remaining challenges? Now, I think what we, what we say is that in many ways, while green finan- financial markets have grown uh, quite uh, rapidly in China, 
uh, more potential is there and in fact is needed in order for China to meet these investment needs that we have been talking about. Um, and if, for example, if we look at various uh, financial markets, so in case of loans, which is the dominant form of uh, financing available in, in, in China's economy, only 8% or so of the current loan book are labeled as green. There is some part of the investment need that is basically investment in existing technologies, scaling up, uh, you know, renewable uh, energy generation, uh, investing in grids uh, and so on. But there's also an important part of the investment needs that relate to essentially investing in emerging new technologies. And there, loan financing is, is often not the best way uh, to, to finance those sort of venture in innovative uh, activities that require, for example, a different type of risk, risk sharing and often require early stage equity financing and risk capital. And Mr. Tang, what's your views and comments on the development of China's uh, sustainable finance market and what new and innovative finance instruments and solutions can we explore? A number of the good you know, progress achieved, not only for the uh, pilot you know, activities in different cities, different provinces and in different financial institutions, but also a number of the financial products has been developed. However, we're still facing some of the lack of the maybe uh, demand and the necessity uh, actions that need to be taken in the near future. So for instance, as I mentioned, we need to encourage more private sector, you know, uh, to involve the financial investment in China in the areas not only for the uh, renewable energy, but also for the adaptations of the uh, city for the biodiversity. But currently, and not much, you know, financial resources flowed from uh, central uh, public sectors of the financial and the private financial institutions into that in you know, areas. But same times so we're facing very urgent you know, demands regarding to the energy uh, storation facilities. Without energy storation, you know, energy impossible to moving uh, generated uh, renewable energy from western parts of China to the central and the eastern part of China. In the future, I'm not quite sure that any renewable energy sectors can be smoothly, you know, developed and enlarging in China, but also in other regions and, and other countries. In pursuit of the carbon emissions peak and neutrality goals, green finance has become a new growth engine for banks in China. During the first half of this year, eight listed domestic banks saw their green loan issuance expand more than 40% from the end of last year. Globally, China's green loans and bonds are performing well. As of June, outstanding green loans in China exceeded 19 trillion yuan. The outstanding green bonds totaled 1.2 trillion yuan, among the largest in the world. What do you think are the most important factors that have contributed to this success? As I said, the, the green financial system is an ecosystem. We realized in the earlier days, um, as early as I think, uh, as in 2014, that we need to take a top-down approach uh, to design a green financial system. Um, and that's why we came up with this uh, uh, Green Finance Guideline 2016, which was jointly issued by seven ministries. So it was a coordination internally within China. We involved the PBOC, the Ministry of Finance, the other financial regulators, uh, including those on banking, uh, insurance and securities, as well as the environmental ministry. So all ministries uh, in this consortium came up with their uh, contributions to uh, the policy uh, uh, making process and also the uh, ecosystem development. That's what we call the top-down approach. And that really helped uh, in China. 
Without this uh, government coordination, I think it was impossible to move that fast. I think the government has to play this convening role uh, in uh, you know, developing these rules and infrastructure. Mm. Of course, it's not just the government. Uh, it's actually a model of private and public sector partnership. A lot of uh, policies and standards, in fact, uh, were drafted by private sector experts, uh, including those organized by China's Green Finance Committee. And uh, so the interaction within China between the public and private sector is uh, extremely healthy, in my view. Uh, we involve the private sector experts in the development of standards, such as taxonomy and disclosure requirements, and the, in all kinds of consultation on product development between the government and the private sector. I think that was a key success factor uh, for China's green finance you know, as of today. Ms. Liu, could you share with us your uh, views and comments on the future development of China's green finance market? For overseas investment that China is providing, this is also very important. And I think there could be more efforts uh, in coordinating uh, private and public finance. Take the example of the renewable energy project that China has been investing overseas. If there could be more efforts and um, resources allocated by the public investors in China to help host countries in providing uh, and more bankable projects that can actually help uh, to unlock the private uh, capital from China who has a big appetite in the overseas renewable energy projects. And that will be one example of how the coordination between the different investors can help to mobilize uh, the private finance with public finance. Indeed, more needs to be done to further unlock the potential of green finance in the future. And that's all the time we have for today. Thanks again to all of you. Sebastian Eckhart, Practice Manager for Macroeconomics and Fiscal at World Bank. Tang Dingding, former Chair of Compliance Review Panel of Asian Development Bank. Ma Jun, Co-Chair of G20 Sustainable Finance Working Group. Shuang Liu, China Finance Director at World Resources Institute. And that's all for our special edition of BizTalk, Financing the Greener Future. Thanks for being with us. Until next time, bye for now. The loss of habitat, the extinction of species, and the decline of total biomass. Despite ongoing efforts, biodiversity is deteriorating worldwide and this situation is projected to worsen with business-as-usual scenarios. Yet people around the world are still trying their best to turn the tide. We've also found that the caracal are hunting closer to the urban edge, particularly males. Most experts agree that organic farming is the best way to promote... More than 1,300 plants and 500 animals are on Australia's threatened species. Now, there is another chance for the world to preserve biodiversity and save ourselves. The second phase of the UN Biodiversity Conference, COP15, is underway. Listen to the stories of those people who fight on the front line of biodiversity protection. Follow the latest details about the COP15 meetings in Montreal, Canada, only on CGTN Radio.